For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. At all of our campuses today, I'm just curious, how many of you would be bold enough to say that there is something in your life that did not go as you planned? Anyone? Yeah. All over the place. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. Um, that's kind of Christmas though, right? I know for a lot of us, Christmas is an exciting time. It's a time where we're looking forward to being with our family looking forward to being with our friends, looking forward to going from holiday party to holiday party, looking forward to wrapping presents and opening presents and just all of the traditions and the things that we get to do. For many of us, it's something we look forward to each and every year. But at the same time, for some of us, Christmas reminds us that things are not what we planned. For instance, my wife and I, Kristen, we have a family, a friend, um, they, their son was in an accident recently. And so for Christmas this year, they are spending it in a children's hospital while he is in a coma on a ventilator. It's not what they planned. It's different. Christmas can do that, right? There's a thing about Christmas that as much as we look forward to it and as much as we want to celebrate and as much as we want to be a part of all the different things, it can also kind of creep up on us and make life a little chaotic. It feels like every single year I sit down in November or maybe I talk to my wife and I tell her or I maybe just think it in my head, but I always say, you know what, this Christmas is going to be different. This Christmas, I'm going to find time to just rest. I'm going to find time to just relax and enjoy the season. But then after a couple weeks, what do I find? I find myself caught in the chaos that comes with Christmas. I find myself going from Christmas party to Christmas party to Christmas party to Christmas party. I find myself spending hour after hour after hour shopping at various stores, looking online, making sure I get all the gifts. And then once I get all the gifts, once they all arrive, then it takes me what feels like three years to finally wrap them because that's the longest process in the world is wrapping a gift. Then I have to put all the gifts under the tree and find room for them. Then we have to get all the, the, the meals ready for the holiday that we're going to celebrate, the food that we're going to cook. We have to clean the house and make sure everything's clean. Then we still have to have people over, or we still have to go to their house, right? And we all have that crazy uncle or that crazy cousin who we know that the moment we sit down with them or they sit down at our house, we're going to end up talking about their political views and something we completely, completely disagree with. For many of us, Christmas is anything but peaceful. It's anything but the way we hoped, the way we dreamed, the way we planned. It's interesting to me too though, if you look through scripture at all the different stories that kind of lead up to Christmas, what we find is over and over and over again, almost every single one of these stories that centers around the Christmas story didn't go as planned. It was full of chaos, it was full of darkness, it was full of despair, it was unorderly and anything but peaceful. For instance, go 700 years back before the birth of Jesus. 
We find the the nation of Israel, the the Old Testament people of God, we find them in a very difficult situation, in a very difficult circumstance. We find them at a place where they are being kind of, they've seen the northern territory above them overrun by an evading army, and they begin to think, we're next. This is about to happen to us. And there's, there's panic and there's chaos that comes from all of the, the people and all the things that come with this, right? There's, there's religious chaos, there's political chaos, there's relational chaos, and everyone's just saying, this is not how it was supposed to be. This is not what we planned. This is not what God promised. And then a prophet by the name of Isaiah, he steps into the midst of this chaos, in the midst of this, this thing that's not as it was supposed to be. And he brings good news. He brings hope to the nation of Israel. He says this in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. You'll see it right here. He says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel or God with us. He looks at the nation of Israel in the midst of their chaos, in the midst of their despair, in the midst of things not going as planned, and he says, listen, there's coming a time when God will be with us. He will be here among us. And just two chapters later, in chapter 9, verse 6, he says this. He says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, And the government, the the government of everything will be on his shoulders and he will be called. And he uses these, these throne names to describe the characteristics and the quality of this future child. He says he will be a wonderful counselor. He will be awe-inspiring in his good news. He will be a mighty God, able to conquer and overcome. He will fight for you as a warrior. He will be an everlasting father. He will be both far and everlasting, but near as your father. And he will be the prince of peace. In the original Hebrew language, the term prince of peace is the word sar shalom. And it means one who is in charge of, one who oversees, one who is the the captain, the Lord, the prince of peace. The word shalom means that you are lacking nothing. Everything is complete. Everything is whole. Everything is as it should be. And Isaiah looks at the nation of Israel in the midst of their despair in the midst of things not going as they planned, and says there is one coming who will make everything right, and he will bring peace. Every Israelite, we can imagine and assume, hearing that prophecy would have began to weep. They would have began to think, yes, finally, Finally, this thing that we have been wanting, this, this, this thing that we have been desiring since the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve went out of the boundaries that God had for them, finally, we will have peace. Finally, it will be non-chaotic. Finally, we will find rest. Finally, things will go as planned. But it didn't. In fact, for the next 300 years, 15 different prophets kept coming to the nation of Israel saying, peace is coming, peace is coming, peace is coming. And then silence. For 400 years after that, not a word. No news, no prophets, nothing. For those of you that enjoy the math, that's 146,000 silent nights before the silent night that we celebrate at Christmas. 
things did not go as planned. And finally, after 146,000 silent nights, an angel appears to a young teenage girl by the name of Mary and says, Mary, I have good news. You're pregnant. Now, not my definition of good news, right? If I was a teenage girl, I would be like, this is not what I want to tell my parents right now. Not only that, the baby is not Joseph's because you guys haven't had any relations. The baby is God's baby, by the way. This was probably not how Mary planned things, right? Joseph had a choice to make. This is not the marriage that Joseph wanted. This is not the plan that he had. He was not supposed to be marrying a girl who was already having a baby that not was own. And so he had to make this decision. Do I, do I divorce her? Do I release her? Do I you know, have the authorities come and hurt her? Do I do the steps that I'm allowed to do under the legal code that was part of Israel at the time? Or do I hold her tight and protect her and move on with our lives? Things were not as they were planned. And then nine months later, when it comes time for her to finally give birth, things again did not go as planned. She was told, hey, and unfortunately, you're going to have to travel cross-country to a new town, the town of Bethlehem. And by the way, we know you're nine months pregnant. The only way to get there, and don't miss this, ladies, the only way to get there is to ride on a donkey. When my wife was nine months pregnant, we had a Nissan, and it was still not comfortable. <laughs> Nothing is comfortable at nine months pregnant, and Mary has to get on a donkey and ride across country. And she gets to this town called Bethlehem, and her fiance, her husband now, Joseph, is going from door to door, room to room, house to house, inn to inn, hotel to hotel, Airbnb to Airbnb, whatever you want to call them, and he's trying desperately to find a place for him and Mary to sleep for the night because she is in labor. But he hears over and over and over again, there's just no room. Everyone's here for the census. There's just nothing we can do for you. This night is not going as Joseph planned. It's chaotic and confusing and hopeless. And so finally, an innkeeper comes to him and says, hey, I've got a room for you. And you can imagine Joseph's like, yes, finally I can go back and tell my wife I accomplished something here. He says, but it's my barn you're going to sleep in a barn tonight. And in the midst of this barn, surrounded by animals and hay, a baby is born. And at that same time, simultaneously, in a field not far from there, a group of angels appears to some shepherds and proclaims this in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 14. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, as we all would be correct, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, the, the long-promised one from 700 years ago has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, what did they say? Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. These angels appear and say, listen, 
the Prince of Peace has come. He has arrived. And he will bring what? He will bring peace on earth. Fast forward 2,000 years later. And I don't know about you, but I'm wondering, where is that peace on earth? I turn on the news, and it doesn't look very peaceful. It seems like we're always somewhere in the world, a country or a people group fighting another one. It seems like the stock market is always going up and down. There's a fear of recession. The inflation is surging, surging to new heights it's never been to ever before. Every month or two, it seems like there's some threat of a new variant of COVID that's forcing us to take new shots and to begin to new do things. It seems like there's always something. Oil prices are raising, groceries are raising, the economy is tanking. It seems like we are stuck with drought and famine and wildfires and freezes and the weather cycles are crazy and crazy and crazy. And then on top of that, there's bombings and school shootings and mass shootings and suicides. And we have this epidemic where our young people, our children and our teenagers are more depressed and more filled of anxiety than any other generation previously before them. I look at everything that happens when I turn on the news or when I go to Google and search for something and I just can't help but wonder, Jesus, where is this peace on earth? Jesus, if you are the prince of peace, where is our peace? I don't feel it. I don't see it. I don't experience it maybe the way I, I thought I would. It's as if things didn't go as planned. Maybe they're not quite what I thought Jesus was going to do when he came here. Jesus, where is our peace? And, and shrink that down, right, from the, from the macro level. Let's, let's bring that down. And maybe, maybe world peace was too much to ask for from the Prince of Peace. Maybe let's shrink this down to our personal lives. I don't know about you, but amidst the things that we all go through, I'm stuck asking the question, Jesus, where is my peace? Like, my peace. Why is it that we live in a world where I have more access to healthcare than any other generation before me, but yet we seem to struggle more and more with health and illness in our society? Where is my peace? Why, why is it that we have more information at our fingertips and we make more money than any generation that has previously ever existed, yet financially we are the most struggling generation that has ever existed as well? Where is my peace? peace. Why is it that so many marriages I know, and maybe yours, is struggling? Why is it that so many of my kids and, and, and your kids are not living to their, their fullest potential? Where is my peace? Jesus, if you are the, the prince of peace, the one who is going to fix everything, the one who is going to make everything better, why is it that what I see in the world and experience in my own life says something opposite, that things not go as planned? And I just want to stop and say that maybe you're here today and you're feeling that in your life. And I just want to say how proud I am of you that you are here I know today, like, celebrating Christmas at church is hard for some of us because we walk through the hallways and everyone's grabbing their, their hot chocolate and they're standing in front of the Christmas tree photo areas, taking selfies, taking pictures, hanging out with their family, and all it reminds you of is that your life is in chaos 
and things are not going as you planned. And I just want to tell you this today. In the midst of your chaos, in the midst of things not going as you planned, in the midst of the darkness that seems to surround us at times and overwhelm us and be too much, I just want to say, Jesus is still your Prince of Peace. He is still your Sar Shalom, to use the Old Testament word. He is still the, the captain, the Lord, the prince, the king of wholeness and fullness and completeness in your life. And I hope today in the next 15 minutes, you begin to experience that in a way you never have before. Let me, let me tell you this way. Proverbs 19.21 says this. It begins, you can make many plans. I don't know about you guys, but like, this could be a life verse for me right here. Like, Adam, you make many plans. Like, I love to make plans. I'm thinking like five years down the road, this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen, like lining up these dominoes with my life where they're all gonna make sense and everything's gonna be perfect and one day X, Y, and Z is gonna happen. And I know you're just like me, right? You love to make plans. Maybe you're not five years or 10 years. Maybe you're one day down the road. Maybe some of you, you're thinking 30 years down the road. You've got that long-term vision, but you love to make plans plans. We love to, to plan our families. We love to plan the celebrations, the things we're looking forward to. We love to plan all the different things that come up in life. And what I love about the Christmas story is I think Mary and Joseph had a plan as well. I think Mary and Joseph thought, we're going to get engaged. We're going to get married. We're going to move into our parents' house because that's what we do. And then we're going to have a baby Joseph, you're going to keep working as a carpenter and you're going to make some furniture and things are going to be great and we're going to raise this family amazingly. They had plans. Mary planned on having a baby with her fiance, not with God. Mary planned on having a baby in her home surrounded by her family and warmth and blankets, not in a barn surrounded by animals and hay. You and I love plans. Mary and Joseph had plans, but look how this verse ends. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Mary and Joseph had these plans of what their family would look like, but God had a purpose for them. They could dream all they want about their plans, but God had a purpose. Fast forward 33 years later or so, and that very same Mary, who was once a young teenager, is now in her 40s, and she's looking at her son, who is 33 years old, and she's seeing him hanging on a cross. She watched him get spit on. She watched him get stripped naked. She watched him get beaten with lashes. She watched him carry a rugged wooden cross down a road in the center of Jerusalem to a place called Golgotha, the place of skull. She saw him be strapped to it as the nails were pushed into his hands, as he was hoisted up and lifted up for all the world to see. She sees this, her sinless, her perfect, her holy son of God, the one who loved the unlovable, the one who stuck around the people who no one else would stick around, the one who was there for everyone who ever needed a friend. She sees him and she's thinking in her mind, I am so glad in this moment that my plan did not prevail, but God's purpose was sought and did in this moment. Listen. Jesus is your Prince of Peace. Even when your plans don't work out, 
Even when you thought and dreamed and longed for and looked forward to and prayed over and looked and just really searched for, when your plans don't work, maybe, just maybe, God has a purpose in what he's doing. Maybe Mary thanked the Lord each and every day that her and Joseph's plans didn't happen, that God's purpose prevailed. What about you? I don't know what you're going through. Maybe it's tough at home. Maybe it's tough at work. Maybe it's tough with your family. Maybe just life in general feels tough. And you're thinking, I wish I could just change this. This is not what I planned. No. But maybe this Christmas, you need to stop and thank God that in the midst of the difficulties, in the midst of changed plans, his purpose is prevailing and you can have peace that he is good, that he is trustworthy. You can have peace that he is working in you and through you doing all things for your good, even when your plans change. That's the message of Christmas is that you and I were God's purpose. We experience the peace of God, the Prince of Peace, even in the midst of difficulty because he is working a purpose for us. Now, I say that but at the same time, I think I need to acknowledge that for some of us, we, we will never experience that peace of God that I'm talking about, that, that shalom, until we first have peace with God. It's really, really difficult for us to experience the peace of God unless we have peace with God. Ephesians 2, 13 and 14 says it this way. It says, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once, where you, once you were what? Say this with me. Far away from God. But now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. It says you were far away. Some different other passages of scripture are saying you were an enemy of God. There's other times in the New Testament and the Old Testament where it says that the people, and we see this in Isaiah as well, the people were walking in darkness. And I don't know about you, but if you, if, if you don't know anything about the Christian faith, know this, that you and me, every single one of us listening today, we were walking in darkness. We were separated. We were enemies. We were far from God. And I don't know if you've ever been walking in darkness. Walking in darkness is terrifying. You're bumping into things, you're, you're making a mess of things, you're, you're spilling things over, you're knocking things over, you're tripping and you're just trying to get through life in that chaotic situation. Walking in darkness is difficult. And it seems like for many of us, and I did this for most of my adult life until I got to college, it seems like for many of us, as we're walking in darkness, we think if only, if only I could get rid of this darkness. If only I could fix X, the darkness in my life would disappear. 
If only I could change Y, then the darkness would disappear. If only Z was different, then the darkness would disappear. And let me tell you this, if you've never heard this before, the message of Christmas is that you and I, none of us could ever take the darkness away. Light had to come to us. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the prince of peace when you are far away, an enemy of God. That's the good news. He is your Emmanuel. He is God with you. He is the light of the world, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but perhaps one of the most famous and loved uh, Christmas movies of the Christmas season is a Charlie Brown Christmas. Raise your hand. Have you ever seen the Charlie Brown Christmas? Many of you? Okay. So this, this movie has been around for a very long time. In fact, the characters, you may be familiar with the characters, Charlie Brown himself has been around for about 70 years. In the Charlie Brown Christmas movie, Charlie Brown is kind of frustrated with the commercialization of Christmas. Now, I don't exactly know when this was written. I think it was in the 60s, so even take that further now probably, right? But Charlie's just frustrated, and he just keeps trying to figure out, how do I really understand the true meaning of Christmas? And he has this moment where he says, well, nobody ever help me understand Christmas? Will nobody tell me the true meaning? And his friend Linus steps up. And maybe you remember Linus. What is one thing that Linus always has with him? A blanket, kind of like this. Linus, in 70-something years of cartoons, television, and movies, you never see him without his blanket. It's his security blanket. He he suffers from a lack of peace. Every situation he goes into, he, he's nervous, he's anxious, he doesn't feel like he fits in, things feel weird and strange, but he has that security blanket to keep him safe, to give him peace. I want you to watch this clip. What you're gonna see in this clip is you're gonna see Linus step up and say, Charlie, I will help you understand the true meaning of Christmas. I want you to watch what happens to his blanket. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Just Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. He dropped his blanket. In 70 years of Linus existing, he drops his blanket one time when the angel says, do not fear because the Prince of Peace is here. Question, what's your blanket? What's the thing that you 
have been desperately clinging to, holding on to, thinking over and over and over again, if this happens, then I'll have peace. If, if my marriage is better, I'll have peace. If my career finally gets to the place I want it to get to, I'll have peace. If my bank account gets to a certain size, I'll have peace. When my kids get whatever it is you want them to get, fill in the blank, then I'll have peace. When this health situation is better, then I'll have peace. What is it? I, we all have something. I remember growing up when I was a high school and a college student, I had lots of security blankets, not like real ones, but like you get the, you get the idea. Things that I was clinging to, holding on to, that I knew these are the things that make me happy. These are the things that give me peace. These are the things that fulfill me and bring me joy. What is it for you? Here's what I know. That thing you're holding on to, it will never bring you peace. The only peace that lasts, the shalom, the completeness, the fullness, the wholeness that you need comes by dropping your blanket and turning to the Prince of Peace. And I very vividly remember that moment in my life where I stepped in church for the very first time and I realized that none of that mattered because he is my Prince of Peace. Maybe at all of our campuses this Christmas, you need to drop your blanket and turn to the true Prince of Peace, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful that you sent your son, Jesus, to bring us peace. As we continue in this, this moment of prayer, I just want to give all of us at all of our campuses just a moment to kind of reflect and respond right where we are. Maybe you came here today and you, you're following Jesus, you believe in Jesus, and you, you love Jesus, but there is still things in your life that have not gone as planned. And it's chaotic, and it's hard, and it's difficult. And if you were being honest in this moment, being transparent, you would say that you need more of the Prince of Peace this Christmas season. You need more peace in your life. Maybe there's a security thing that you're holding on to that today you want to let go of and say, Jesus, invade my heart. Give me your peace, the peace that passes all understanding. If that's just you right now, I, wanna, I want the opportunity to just pray with you and to pray for you and to pray over you just right where you are. Will you just slip up your hand as an act of just crying out to God, saying, I need your peace. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hands. 
hands all over the room. Jesus, I pray for every hand that is raised, God, that you would be the Prince of Peace, that you would show us more of you, that you would show us your goodness, your mercy, and your grace in our lives. God, I pray that when we plan and dream and plan and you have other purposes, that we would rest in shalom, knowing that you are good always. As we continue praying, I just wanna ask a question and maybe Maybe this question will seem blunt to you, but I I don't have a lot of time and I can't think of a better way to ask it. So I'm gonna ask this. Where do you stand with God? I don't think you're here by accident. I don't think it's a mistake that you visited the Mount at Christmas 2022. I think maybe in the next couple minutes, you're gonna make the biggest decision you've ever made in your entire life the decision to accept the Prince of Peace into your chaotic world. And so let me just explain to you who Jesus is. You and I, like I've already said, we were sinners. We were after our own things, selfish and only wanting what we wanted, living apart from God. We were enemies, we were far away and God looked at us and said, something needs to change. I'm sending my son to be born in a manger, born in a barn, born in a stable, whatever words you wanna use there. And he will one day, he will live a life that is perfect and sinless and within all the boundaries that I create. And one day he will die and he will be punished by me, his heavenly father for the sins, for the disobedience, for the penalty that everyone else in all of humanity has ever done so that they may live. And three days later, he was resurrected from the grave because he has the power over death and he gives you that forgiveness today. And maybe you need to accept that. So I'm gonna ask you to do something incredibly bold. I'm gonna ask you to just stick your hand up if you're saying for the first time in my life, I want Jesus to be my Lord, to be my Prince of Peace. Would you just go ahead, whatever campus you were at, stick up your hand right where you are. Be bold. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, be my Lord. Let's pray if you have your hands up. Father, I am a sinner. Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. Make me new. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Amen. Jesus is our Prince of Peace. Let's stand and sing.